Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, Not Another Running Story. Thanks for joining us. We don't do small talk here. When we get outside and slightly uncomfortable, we get real, and we aim to continue these conversations here on this podcast. My name is Megan Fanning, and I'm the owner of Zendurance Now Coaching, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan, one of our coaches. Let's talk, let's get uncomfortable, and let's see where the conversation goes. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now only. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making a questionable decision, please seek out a qualified medical or psychological professional. Hey, Sean. Hey, Megan. How are you doing today? Good so far. What's up with you? Uh, Not much. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, this is a topic that I think you want to talk about. I have to be honest, I really don't want to talk about it, but it potentially could be interesting because I know we have we have a lot of similar overlapping views, but we we disagree, I think, a lot on this. And we're going to talk about consistency, balance, motivation, drive, and and probably more just about being uncomfortable in general, because we always seem to land there. For sure, for sure. So why I wanted to touch on this topic is because I think, and this is just my personal opinion, that a lot of people get into uh, training or get into coaching or get into whatever uh, in regards to um, any sport, any any endurance athletic type uh, endeavor, and they think that hiring a coach um, is going to be an instant uh, instant effect on their overall fitness and training. And they don't realize a lot of times that there's building blocks involved in getting from point A to point B. And they want instant gratification. Wait, you don't offer your athletes instant gratification? Well, I tried to give them pills like and cocaine, but... I think when... When I trained you, you must have not been paying attention that day because I offer my athletes instant gratification and no hard work. It's just, it's a slight extra fee each month, but you know, it's okay. And and I'll barter too. I have no problem bartering, but I do offer that to my clients. Oh, I, I should, I should really get that. Uh, you should have listened. Should get, I should get those handouts. I'll send them over. I'll send them over. I have a couple. Pre- I have a couple presentations, a couple things. But yeah, when it's just be, it's just called. You know, when you're a coach, sometimes you just got to step above. You know, you got to rise above. You got to do. You got to do the extra for your athlete. And don't worry, I'll I'll show you how to do it. So yeah, so I run into it pretty frequently where the grind starts to set in, right? With training, anytime you you put a training block together, um, the grind starts to set in. The time alone in training sets in and then all of a sudden it becomes well i took this day off because i didn't feel good and then i took this day off because i didn't feel good and then i took this day off but i didn't because i didn't feel good but i felt really good this weekend so i put an extra 10 10 miles in on the training run right and and that's not the way you build to a desired result that's the way you build to a future injury. And I think that a lot of people um, run with the idea of the weekend warrior mentality. And I think that's a broken system to look at. 
it's it's interesting. I think our society is has conditioned us to be comfortable. See, I knew it'd come up really quickly. It's conditioned us to be comfortable that there's an easy way, that there's a quick fix. Uh, and these races, especially if you if you watch, you know, whether it's an adventure race, ultra running, triathlon, marathons, you know, they, they look really fun. And our community is amazing. We but it's really, really, really hard work. But I don't think it's just limited to to athletes in racing. I, I saw it all the time in school. I saw people get into school and, you know, they didn't study, they didn't do the work, and then they were struggling and didn't know, you know, didn't know how to catch up. Um, I am guilty of a lot of things. Procrastinating is not one of them. And not because I'm a saint or because I'm a lovely human being. It's just procrastination causes me anxiety. As you know, I always have lists. I have lists all over the place. I have a paper list next to me. I have lists in my computer, lists for multiple topics. It's just how I, you know, keep track and stay on top of things. And then I have reminders on top of that. It, it may sound, it, you know, it, it may sound a little bit over the top, but it's how, you know, it's how I keep my life straight. If when I get in my mind that I want to reach a goal, some, as you know, sometimes I will look at a race and say, oh, this seems like a fun idea. <laughs> and then as I start training, I'm going, oh, my God, what did I what did I get into? And, and do I really want to do this? Sometimes it's just n not fun. And when I say it, it could be training. It could be life. It could be a commitment to your family. It could be a co commitment to relationship. There's so many things in life that we want, but it is so hard to put in the work. And I also wonder, and I hate to go into this whole generational thing, but I know that I'm raising my kids differently than I was raised. I do sort of wish I was raising my kids like I was raised in the 80s. My parents let me figure it out. And when I needed help, they were always there, you know, they were always there to help me. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of downtime. There was a lot of figuring out. I mean, I was... I was bored, you know, as a kid and I taught myself Morse code, but I didn't have anything else to do, you know, but it, I would, you know, just sort of pick up projects and, and do stuff like that. Or we'd go, you know, we'd go into the, you know, backyard and make forts or, you know, that we'd be working on for weeks. We were, or at least, at least, I don't know, we were, we were raised to be in it for the long haul. And my kids right now, it's really hard. Like if they're doing something outside and I see that they're doing it like, wrong and that's you know me identifying it as wrong not necessarily wrong I want to go out there and help them I want to go out there and fix it and that's not that's not helping them learn we do I do see that from athletes um, I am a diehard type a and my goal in life is to chill out and calm down like that's just until the day I die I'm going to be working on calm and chill because I have so much energy and so much drive I tend to attract a lot of type A athletes and no, I don't really, I don't really like charge people extra to, to make it easy. Frankly, if I, if I could, maybe I would, if it actually worked, but um, I, you know, I also, I attract a lot of type A athletes and also type A athletes that are injured because they don't know what they're doing. Their life is too busy. And I'm circling back to what you just said. They end up becoming weekend warriors. They have these great races that they want to do, but they're in in really high end, very very busy jobs, um, you know, demanding family life, and they just can't make time for it during the week. So, 
yes, I'm going to make up for it on the weekend. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do all this on the weekend. I'm going to get the extra miles. I'm going to run really hard. It doesn't work. You're, it, you're right. I mean, everybody gets injured or or fails. And that's, that's I don't know, it just, sets, it just sets yourself up for disappointment. Well, the failure thing is the worst, right? Like injury, you can chalk that up to whatever, right? That's, that's happenstance or chance mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, we understand the underlying cause is that you are, overloading your body in a very specific short time frame, and then it causes the body to break down with no chance for it to rebuild, right? So we understand like how that that occurs. And really in the realm of endurance, athletics, repetitive motions, consistently, 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 they cause injury regardless, right? For the, a lot of times, right? The rate of injury in runners is ridiculously high. The fact, if you go a year without some sort of injury that takes you out of the um out of your ability to run for more than a couple days that's pretty rare for most consistent runners right like but it shouldn't be like that it should we can do better we can do better well, absolutely if we could if we could i think that's kind of the holy grail of um all coaching where you can get the biggest benefit and stay as injury free as possible and i think that's what i think you talk to, I mean, other, any any other coach, professional coach, and that's always what they're looking for, right? I mean, there are coaches that do the whole throw a bunch of eggs against the wall and see which ones don't break, oh, yeah. kind of, kind of, and it's kind of, and that's kind of like the high school coaching track mentality, cross country mentality, right? You can't. A lot of times they don't uh, individualize it for for their whatever athlete it is, right? Like it's like I have. 20, 20 girls on the high school track team. We're just, we're throwing eggs against the wall and we'll see which five can make it to States, right? Like, yeah, and that is just not okay. That, it, that, that makes me so angry. And it, and it should, it's, it's a horrible thing. Yeah. But I think um, when it comes to, when it comes to training athletes, I think um, has in coach coaching adults that, that can't exist, right? That whole throwing eggs against the wall um, mentality does shouldn't exist. I mean, I'm sure some coaches that don't know better do that, um, but I don't think I think those coaches kind of get weeded out pretty fast, or they learn, right? Like one or the other. I hope so. I hope so. I don't feel as optimistic about that as you do, but um, mm-hmm. but anyways, back to kind of back to the. Uh, off of the off of the podium and grandstand and uh, back to the uh, training consistency aspect of things. Um, I I don't understand why a, and it's, I think it's specific with adult athletes. They don't understand that at some point the training is going to be hard and that it's going to be a grind and that you're going to need to do go above and beyond like what you thought was going to be easy maybe it's just because they haven't experienced it before yeah it's it's it well i have another hypothesis it could be that or they could just legit want to have fun right you know those i envy those normal people that can just go out and they do their races wherever that whatever they are and i don't think you can do this at like an ultra level without getting hurt i'm talking about shorter distances and lower intensities but that just go out and, you know, do fun things on the weekends, get together with friends. 
I think that's that's fine. I would like to be that way. I would like to be a person that entered a entered a race going, yeah, this is going to be fun. I mean, I do think it's going to be fun, but I know how much work it's actually going to be. So there are those people out there that just just want to have a good time and are in it more for are in it more for the experience, but then they will ultimately run up against so, you know, some kind of wall, no pun intended, as I said that, but um, they'll hit a wall, you know, they hit a wall when it, it's either when it comes to schedule, injury, fatigue, or something to that effect. Yeah, I think, and I think in regards to those type of athletes, I think those type of athletes aren't specifically looking for coaching. I mean, I guess maybe some of them are, some of them see the, um, I want to run a half marathon, right? And they're like, a half marathon. I can do that. So and so does that. We've had we've had some of these people. And so and then and then you're like, okay, well, like let's run, you know, four to five times a week. And then all of a sudden it's well, I can run two times a week. And you're like, what am I I, I'm not providing you any benefit as a coach like in this regard. Um but I don't I don't so my I don't know where I'm going with it. So where what I have is I have the innate ability to continue to drive and understand that it's going to suck sometimes. Some days I get out there and it's the greatest experience of my entire life in that moment, right? But I understand that probably 75% of the time, it'll be a little bit of a grind. Um, and any, any- But I like, I like the grind. Do you like the grind? sometimes i mean sometimes sometimes the grind is is just that it's a grind but i've heard i've heard runners tell people that every run they have is awesome and i considering i'm so full of shit it's like it's the most disgusting disgusting thing i've ever seen uh and it's that like it's that whole uh putting a fake face on the reality it's the whole social media media aspect of um running that has come into it and i think and i think that bleeds into what what people training for events think right like we were talking like you look at these race pictures and you see people um looking like they're having a grand old time running up freaking whatever whatever mountain it is you know muslim or up everest or you know uh heading down the the Auburn Hills in Western States, you see like these smiles on their face. What you don't see is like the two minutes before they saw the photographer where they're like <laughs> literally like half in tears, like walking, right? Like up the uphill. And then all of a sudden they see the photographer and it's like, all right, well, let's put on the happy face so that we have this like happy memory. And you get all these, these pictures like published and people think that like every day is that right. And it's even, most races aren't that, let alone like every day. Now, like I said, there's there's days where you get out there and you're like, God, everything's clicking, everything feels good. I'm like rested. Um, I feel like the sun is just right, the temperature's just right, like my body feels loose, and you like have this like great existential run. But those days are few and far between, you know? Um don't and- you think sorry to interrupt you. No, Don't no. you think you're you're describing life in general, everything? Oh, whether for sure. Yeah. For sure, and I think, and I think when we come into this, um, knowing, 
knowing that those sacrifices and uh, challenges and trials that we put ourselves through will eventually get to the end goal, whatever that is, right? That's that's kind of where we're at, right? Like, how do we get to what we want to do? And I think a lot of times, and maybe this is, maybe it's just my perception of it, is a lot of times is when people say they want to do something, they don't really want to do it. They just want the easy experience. Yeah. And they see, that, like I said, they see these like photos of like runners looking like they're having a grand old time and, you know, not the, not the crying on the side of the trail or the. Yeah. Um, That's why it's really important to volunteer at races and to take part in all this stuff. I don't think this happens as much anymore. Somebody please correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of races, at least when I started, you had to have like mandatory volunteer hours and you had to, you know, you had to work at so many races and stuff. I remember submitting that paperwork in for, I don't remember, a couple races, a couple races that I did. And it seemed kind of silly at the time because I had, I started by, you know, doing a lot of volunteering and crewing and, and uh, pacing. But it did, it did allow me, it did allow me to really see what was going on um, and really feel what was going on. But I do believe that this is just life in general. There, like we can do hard things, right? I, I, I know that. I, I have no problem. I don't have an issue with drive. I don't have an issue with hard work. Um, sometimes though, life can just, life can just be too much. Like we, we bite off more than we can chew and we don't, we don't realize it when we're, when we're doing that. So I think it's, it's also important for everybody to remember, like, it's okay to step back and go, I changed my mind. Like, (laughs) I don't want to do this race anymore. You know, I'm training for X, Y, and Z race, and I absolutely hate running on technical trails. So I'm going to focus on this race that's all on the roads because I really am enjoying myself more on the roads and you may, you're going to be working just as hard, but maybe there's just that little piece that allows you to click in more and to be engaged. And maybe that's what it is. Shit. See, I'm the opposite. You make that commitment. You like follow through that commitment to like, I learned like I have, I, I talk about this and I have a, I have a buddy that I, um, that I run with occasionally. And he's very casual runner, like has a hard time. Doesn't, I mean, doesn't aspire to like commit to anything or anything like that, but gets into the, he's like, I don't understand these elite triathletes that like get done with like halfway through the bike. And they're like, I'm off pace. I'm done. Like my day's over, like, or marathoners that pull it at like 20 miles. And, and I explained to him the difference is like, with those people, they have a payday, right? So their payday is like, well, if I pull the plug now, I can recover and be ready to race a month from now or a couple of weeks from now and get a payday. But his sentiment is that, and, it, and I think it applies more to the non-elites, is I've committed to this. I'm not pulling the plug now. Like, I've committed to this. Like, And I think, so you're saying like, oh, well, someone doesn't like running technical trails. Well, if you've committed to a technical trail race, right? Like you've committed to that, you've taken that slot from someone else possibly that might want to race on that, I right? Agree. Yeah. And then and then you're like, "Well, I'm not going to train for that because I don't like this." Well, I think if you follow through on the training, do the race, 
and never do it again, that's a different story, right? Like you do the race and I think you grow. I think you learn, you grow and you become a better person from that experience. Vice being like, well, this is hard. I don't like this. I'm going to go do something that is easier and that I do like. Because I think right, you, you've referenced how like this kind of ties into life. I think a lot of times in life, there's, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. How, why am I still pushing through, right? People like run away from relationships. They run away from families. They run away from work opportunities. They run away from whatever because it's no longer fun. And I think as a, as a, as human beings, we probably need to like have a little more discipline and a little more grit. Grit is like a great word. That's one of the things I try and teach my kids is. Yes. Is, but I, I agree with you, but at a certain point as, as human beings, we do have the right to change our mind. And I don't mean like I have, you know, I've signed up for a race. Um, I'm committed. If you're injured, that's one thing. I'm not right, talking, right, you know, for sure. we're setting injury aside, but yes, taking a spot, you know, and just, you know, not doing it or not showing up. That's not okay. That's, that's not, that's not how I do things. What I'm thinking of it's just situations in life where like, people have to get divorces. And, and this is, you know, there's a difference between running away and realizing like, this isn't where I want to be in life. So I can think of like divorces. I can think of, I had a, I had a job in EMS that I had early on and I really like being a paramedic. I really like EMS. I was working this job and I did not like this job. And you know, there was a variety, there was a variety of reasons. I wasn't treated poorly. It wasn't like that. It was just the type of EMS work that I was doing. And I was in that job for about a year. And then I said, this is, this is not fun. Like I was just counting the hours in my shift and mm -hmm. counting the hours I had to work. And I didn't want to live like that. I knew I could, you know, I knew I could stay in EMS and find a better job just doing a different kind of work. But the just not showing up for a race is comparable to me saying, well, my job isn't fun. So I'm going to not show up for my shift today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, like big long-term decisions as a human being, like, wow, this is not the direction that I want to go with, with my life. Or even when the people that come to us that are, have never, you know, that have never run, that are overweight, that really need, that really need help. They go, it, that's the sentiment we get. Like, this is how I've been living. I have no idea how to do anything different. I just know I'm not happy anymore. And I want to start moving. You see, so, so that ability to, to change your mind, I think there's a lot of power in that. And I'm separating that from grit. I actually agree with everything you say. Um, my kids are both on sports teams and there, you know, there, there was a day, my, my daughter is a lacrosse goalie. She, her life is lacrosse. She loves it. That's, that's everything she does. She was really beat up and tired and they had a game and she's like, well, no one's going. And I don't really feel like going. It was like a, it, it was a league they had over the winter. And I said to her, you committed, you are going. I said, if you decide that you don't want to play lacrosse at some point in your life, you don't have to sign up for the team, but you sign you signed up, you show up at this meet. And she did go. And she was really, she came home and she was so excited because 
there were a lot of her teammates that didn't show up. So they blended, they blended with another, with another team. And she ended up getting to be goalie for, I think it was three separate games because they didn't have people. And she was like, I'm so glad I showed up. Right. And as a parent, that made my heart just grow a little bit bigger because she was able to get that lesson. Uh, so, so yes, it's true, but I, I have found a lot of empowerment as I've, as I've grown up just to say, I don't want to, and I don't have to do this anymore. I can think of that, like, like I said, that occasion with, you know, that one job I was talking about, I mean, I'm still a paramedic, um, you know, and you know, there's a couple other, you know, a couple other things I can think of in my life where I've turned course, but I'm thinking like two or three things. Um, if you, I don't know if you've ever noticed this about me, so this may be news, but I'm a little bit stubborn mm -hmm. and I don't like to change my mind. <laughs> um, I, you know, I believe what I believe. Um, and I was actually talking with a friend about this yesterday. I, I, I am, I am stubborn. I'll own it. However, when I realize intellectually and emotionally that I'm wrong, I will turn on a dime. And I have I have no problem as a human being saying, wow, I was wrong, you know, or huh, I got to do things differently. But when I get it and sometimes sometimes that that change can happen quickly. Other times I realize I'm doing something wrong. I want to do things differently and I don't know how to. So it's a little bit of a of a slower change. But as soon as I know there's a different way to do things that might be more beneficial for me, I'll embrace it. When it comes to grit, that boy, this, I think this is a nature versus nurture issue. Um, and I, I don't understand the origins. I don't know if you can teach it. I, I really don't know. My problem in life, um, I might have too much grit because sometimes I just don't know when to stop. And I will just push myself into the ground, whether I work too hard on a project or um, I'm training too hard, I'm working too hard. As a human being, I really migrate um, to the extremes, to the black and the white. And recently, I've been trying to just find peace in that gray zone. And it is grossly uncomfortable to me. I just, I want, I want all or nothing. I want it clear. I want it mapped out. And that's not life. Life is having to make these decisions and this is also one of the most beneficial things about having a coach because people talk to us about this and there's no right or wrong answer, but having this conversation with, you know, with our athletes or, you know, whether it's with our kids or anybody that's, that's taking on something big in life, sometimes you just got to walk through it and it sucks. Sometimes life is really hard and it sucks, but the rewards are, the rewards can be amazing. Right. And, and so I agree with everything you say. There are times when change is necessary, right? Like if you're in an abusive relationship, right? For example, like, in, and this is life type things. And you have, you know, you've done everything you can to rectify the situation. You've, you've, you've put effort in, you've put grit in, you've like tried to fix whatever the case may be in an abusive relationship. I don't, and I'm saying that like, it might be, you're, you're attempting to 
solve a problem that exists, whatever it is. Now, the person might be an asshole on the other end of that abusive relationship, and that might just be like what it is, right? But you've you've tried to figure it out. And aside from the constructs of how an abusive relationship works, you're like, this this is not good. I have to I have to exit this situation, right? You have to make that change. But the difference that I'm talking about is like, you make a commitment. For example, uh, a lot of people that I was in the Navy with, right? You make a commitment to a four-year, six-year, eight-year contract, whatever it might be, and then all of a sudden you get to the fleet and it's fucking hard. Like <laughs> the work sucks, the job sucks, and you have this commitment that's hanging over your head for the next like four to six years. And so seriously, I have a people think that joining the military is going to be easy and fun. Yeah. Well, I, I think people don't realize <laughs> what it is. So so the job the okay. job I did the All job right. I did the job I did in the military, it really broke down to um my days were like I would work an eight hour day, I would stand five hours a watch, I would have drills a lot of times at night in between the uh midnight and four AM time frame. And so if you like start adding up how that day looks, right? Like maintenance would happen during those. So you're working 18 to 20 hours out of most days underway and having very little time off for yourself for sleep for whatever. And people get into that grind and they say, there's gotta be a different way. I gotta be able to get out of this. How can I get out of this? And they get, they get sad. They get, uh, females get pregnant. Um, and so they try and create these scenarios that remove themselves from the situation. And that is the most frustrating thing to me because you made a commitment, right? Like, and you should follow through on that commitment. Now, if something happens, like, right, females do get pregnant, like it does happen as like, as, as, really? as can be, yeah, but, <laughs> but has it happening for a, like, in the natural course of things in life has, or as an excuse to get out of something. Now I had, um, I worked with this girl and this is like the level of commitment that, um, that I understand. And this is like, I have so much respect for this, this, this female. She, um, she joined, um, her and the guy that she was dating, um, got pregnant. She had, um, two kids, and her husband, or I guess boyfriend, not husband, was still in the military. She was in the military. And both of them finished out their contracts. Like, she made every arrangement to, like, deal with, like, having, like, the kids taken care of and nurtured and loved well, and stuff like be. that. Yeah. But but she had made a, made a commitment, and she followed through on the commitment. But the amount of times that that has happened, hmm. I, I, it's, it's amazing how how little that has happened. Do you know what comes to mind? It's, it's like when I ask one of my kids to do a chore and they do a super crappy job. And so I go back with them and say, look, you're going to have to fix this and you're going to have to do that. And then you're done. So they go back. Oh yeah, it's all fixed. And I walk in there and chuck it and it's still not done. You know, how many, how many times do we go through this? And then finally I say to my kids, I said, look, if you just do it right the first time, just, just get it done instead right. of trying to half-ass it because you've probably taken triple the amount of time that it would have taken if you just did it right the first time and less effort. It, it's 
not everybody, um, yeah, not everybody's like us. So we, I don't know how to, I don't know how to make, I don't know how to make somebody tough. Um, I don't know how to make somebody tough. I don't know how to, I don't know how to give, I don't know how to give them grit. I think in my world, I'm around a lot of people, you know, whether I'm, you know, whether I'm at, you know, working in EMS or coaching that are hurt and, and actually just need to back off a bit. Those, I get so many, the athlete that is attracted to me, I've had so many of these type of people is, you know, they have a, let's say they have a Achilles tendonitis, Achilles tendonitis, they take some time off, it heals, they start running again, they get the injury again, they take time off, it heals, same, you know, in this repetitive circle happens, like you have to do something differently. And I think sometimes people just don't know how to do it differently. And that's where, that's where we come in. I don't know that I'm much of a, as a human being, I don't think I'm a motivator. I have an attitude of like, if you want it, I I will work so hard, so hard to help you. Mm -hmm. But if you don't want it, I'm like, that's okay, cool. Like no problem. And, and I can move on. It, uh, yeah, the whole half-assing it, you know, makes me really uncomfortable on, on many different levels. When you talk about the Achilles tendonitis and stuff like oh, that, yeah. that they're, they're repetitive injuries that uh, continue to reoccur. Can be prevented. Can be prevented. And a lot yeah. of times when it occurs, simply going, well, have you seen a PT? Do you see a massage therapist? Have you seen any other outside practice like to get this? And then they're like, oh, well, I saw a PT once and they gave me some exercise. Well, did you do the exercises? Did you like follow up on the PT? Did you? Well, no. So that like comes back to the grit, right? Like that's like, well, it's the sh- shit that you don't fucking want to do, right? Like, cause no one wants to do PT, no one, right? You, I mean, you're dealing with it right now. We had a discussion before about this and like, cause PT sucks. A, it's boring, like for the most part. A lot of times if you're really injured, it can be boring and painful simultaneously and you're not seeing any real benefit from it right away. And that, I mean, I guess that goes to overall structure of any time you're doing work, right? Like the idea that you go to the gym, right? If I tell you to go to the gym and work out for nine hours, that's going to do nothing for you. But if I tell you to go to the gym and work out an hour today and an hour tomorrow and an hour tomorrow, at some point that like fitness will, will show itself, right? It won't show itself on day one, right? You'll look in the mirror, you'll be like, I'm the same person. Day two, same person. Day three, same person. Three months from now, if you've been like consistent in your effort, you'll be like, holy shit, I am not the same person that I was three months ago. I think you're making it sound really easy. I think that's, I think that's it. It just, when we talk, it sounds easy. If you open up the internet, it's, it just, life's, life seems a lot easier than it actually is, you know? And I can, so last night, so just a little bit of background, um, on day six, um, I, my external fixator is removed. Um, I'm up and about a little bit. I did my first day of PT yesterday and uh, it it was really hard (laughs) to, it was, and I feel like uh, it was excruciating. It was frustrating. Let's say 10 years ago. If I was in this situation, what I would have done 
is absolutely just pound through it and work as hard as I possibly can because I have this innate belief that the harder you work, the more you get, right? This time, so this in NPT yesterday, I actually, you know, the, the therapist and I talk all the time, like too much pressure, too little pressure. Um, this hurts. This is allowed to hurt, you know, just constant feedback of what I should be tolerating. What is too much? Because if I take on too much pain right now, then the inflammatory response in my body is going to be activated again. And then we're going to be dealing with the same issues that, that got me into the external fixator in the first place. So this PT session was, was really brutal. Um, the, the therapist knows, I mean, I have a number of different exercises. I'm supposed to be doing my PT seven to eight times a day. Um, I have a whole routine. You know, I'm going to do it. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, however, on the way home, I ended up talking to, to one of our friends and I, we, I was having this conversation like, holy crap, I, I don't know if I can do this. Like that was really hard. And it really shook me to my core. So I don't know right now with, you know, literally getting back up and on my feet. Can I do this? Well, I got to gotta be honest. Oh. You got to put the faith in that, like, it will get easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hope, right? is, hope is that hope is a killer. I'm not hope talking about is, hope. I'm talking about faith. There's a difference. Okay, I, I'm using those words synonymously. Yeah, I don't. I got to be honest. I don't have hope. I don't have faith. I can't like I've been through too much. But what I do have is like, I woke up this morning. And this is what I could do today. Now we're talking, this is a, you know, more extreme situation than, you know, somebody training for a race, of course, that's, that's, that's different. This is something I have to do to be able to, you know, walk and, and function normally. Again, I, I don't, I genuinely don't know if I can do it, but I'm telling you, for today, I'm absolutely going to do it. You know, if something happens down the line and this PT isn't effective and we have to look at other therapies, but it isn't, I, I want people to understand that while I have a huge sense of drive, you have a huge sense of drive. It, it's not always automatic. Like after a bad run, a horrible PT session, a really bad day at work, a tough day at school, whatever it is, you may look back and go, holy crap, I genuinely don't know if I can or want to do this. But I do have that commitment in my mind to to being healthy and whole again. And I think I, I trust my physical therapist. Um, I was I was a mess last night. I came home and I was pretty much the, the appointment was at night. I came home and I was just couch bound for, for the rest of the night. My body was my body was absolutely destroyed. But today's a new day, you know, and, and I'm up and and I'm up and doing it. But well, it's not. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, that's the thing, right? So this is what I, I try and instill in people is the idea, right? You, every time I take a break from running, I pull back from running for whatever, right? Just to allow my body to reset, to heal, whatever. Um, I find myself when I start that running process again, right? When I start putting the like six days a week in, right? All of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is so hard. Uh-huh. Oh fuck, this is hard. Like I'm tired all the time. I'm exhausted. And then three weeks go by and I'm like, 
oh, this isn't so bad. And then you like put your first three hour trail run in and you're like, oh my God, how am I ever going to make it a hundred miles or 50 miles or whatever your goal race is, right? You start having those thoughts because you're, you're trashed on a, on a three hour trail run, whatever it might be. Right. And then three months down the road, you go on a five mile trail run. You're like, oh, this is great. Like I feel good. Right. It's all those building blocks in small increments being put on top of each other that all of a sudden that span of what was uncomfortable and what was hard becomes greater, right? That the ability to fill your bucket becomes wider, right? Like that bucket just gets, gets very big. And I think, right, even with the PT that you're talking about, right? Like today you have today and you can do today. Mm -hmm. And yep. the idea is that when you do today, tomorrow might not be easier. It might be the same. It might be worse. But three weeks from now, right, those cumulative grains, as long as you've been consistent in doing what you're doing, should be better. And if they're not, then you need to reevaluate the, the, um, what you're doing. And I think that's where the consistency comes in. It should elicit change, right? And typically the in in a training cycle you look at like you look at a three-week cycle where you start to see a gain from whatever base you're going right so it's like a lot of times you'll see um training cycles mileage intensity whatever two weeks on a week back down or three weeks on a week back down and then that elicits the body to make those adaptations and grow and then move on from there and i think a lot of times what you see is like we said like Oh, I don't feel good this day, so I'm not going to do this. And then you never get to get that adaptive overload to actually see those gains. And so you're always in that space where everything's uncomfortable and everything sucks. So you know what I mean? Aren't sticking with it long enough to see the benefits. Right. And okay. I think you, I, I have think a question. With that. Yeah. So outside of running, was there yeah. ever a really tough situation in your life? where grit and hard work just didn't work and you actually had to step aside? Where grit and hard work didn't work and I had to yeah. step aside. I don't know if there's anything that I've done that I've I totally put you on the spot. You but, did. Well, so what I'm saying is, is I don't know if there's a, a, a point where I know, right? Like there's been life choices that I've made for whatever reason that. Um, well, that's kind of, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking of. Like what, that just a path you thought you would be on, but then you changed your mind um, or wanted a different outcome and went a different direction anything to that effect? I mean, I don't, so I don't think there's been something that I've made a commitment to that I haven't attempted to follow through on and have probably followed through on in some way, shape or form. Pretty like, damn intense, Sean, man. I, well, I, I, I mean, right. So, um, I joined, right. Like, so look, let's look at, like, I stopped, I stopped drinking and stopped partying and 
I joined the Navy with the idea that like this would be like a footing to like grow from. I made a commitment. I followed through on my commitment, right? Well, I got I'm going to say that I think stopping drinking might be exactly what I was asking you. I mean, not not specifically, but that would fall. That's what I'm that's what I was looking for. Something that you were doing in your life where it, it was a it was ultimately not a good thing. Right. But that you just had to look and you know, make a, make a big turn and say, nah, this, this isn't for me. This is not how I want to live my life. Yeah. But that didn't like, so quitting, quitting drinking, right? Like that requires grit drinking. I mean, I guess, I guess if you're continuing that suffering and don't know that there's another option, like maybe, maybe that requires some grit, but like, that's, stupid (laughs) yeah i think it takes a lot to i i want to put i think quitting drinking might fall into that might fall into that category that it it was the easier softer way right so it it was actually harder for you to stop drinking right but that's okay but you had to look at your life and and do something different and that's that's what i was getting at i think a lot of time Maybe people are afraid of change, which is ironic because it's the only thing constant in our universe. So, but I, yeah, I think, I think quitting drinking would count. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it feels, if it's the same way okay. it's right. And, and by that, I mean, is it cause it was not, it was making a better life choice vices. Mm-hmm finding a softer and easier life choice, right? Like, but no, no, I didn't mean, I didn't mean, like when we change direction, it's not always an easier direction. It's just tough to change direction. That's that's what I was getting at. When you change your mind or when you pull yourself out of a tough situation, it it's not necessarily making it easier. It's just doing something different. Yes, I guess. And I, <laughs> it, I mean, it is, but... But as far as I guess I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to tie it into the idea of consistency and training. And when you make a change, I think if you're going to make a change in regards to that, you have to make a change for the better vice mm-hmm. or the easier. But yeah, but, for, yeah, and, but, and by but that, making, I mean for the, the health, making right? a like, change for the better is not necessarily easier. It could be easier. It could be harder. Right. It just depends what the change is, right? Right. But I still think it has to be a change for the better. I think a lot of times people make a change for the easier, vice mm-hmm. make a change for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, life is hard. Life is people hard. People are people are dealing with people are dealing with some really deep stuff. And I also well, I came into ultra running, not not running, not running in general. I came in came into running through track, but ultra running was a happy accident for me. It's like, I'm like Bob Ross. I'm like, it was a happy little accident. I was never, I never made the decision like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be an ultra runner, right? I just went outside in the woods and did, and ran, or I went on the road and ran. And I didn't, I didn't really know that ultra running was a thing until uh, Dean Carnassus's first book came out. And I read that book and went, Oh my God. Wow. Like this is, this is actually a real thing. And 
that's what that's what caught my attention in ultra running as for and I think I know many people were introduced to the sport you know right. through his book and through his through his endeavors but that he was the first person to shine a light on the fact that other people do this too and at that point then I was like whoa I wonder if I could actually do one of these you know do one of these races and I don't know that I, I didn't start formally training for ultras for a long time after that. I just, I was like Forrest Gump. I just went out and run. And that is not the best way to train. Um, there's better ways. There's much better ways to do it. But at the time, I really didn't know better because that's, you know, that's what I'd always done. Um, but life, life gets hard. And I think we also tend to have addictive personalities. So a lot of us are, a lot of us use exercise and endurance um, as, um, as a way to exorcise demons, right? Just, just to get stuff out of our head. And it, we hear a lot about people talking about, you know, ultra running as, as a drug or replacing one addiction with another, which I think is total crap because it, you can't, uh, yeah, it's, it's crap. <laughs> it's crap because when you're out there running or in the middle of one of these races, or let's say you're in the middle of graduate school or you're working your way through a tough job, it is really tough. And you have to be super freaking present to perform and do well. If you're out there using ultra running as a drug, that's not making me feel better. I mean, I think I've hallucinated a few times and <laughs> thought I thought I felt really good, but for the most part, it's hard. It's really hard. But for me, I, I do like, I like the phrase exercising demons. It gives me, it gives me a way to work, to work things out um, all through, all through graduate school and even through paramedic school, I, I ran. That was like, I'd, I'd give myself a study break and I'd allow myself to go running or hike or bike ride or whatever, because it would clear my head. It was, it was, a, you know, it was a really good, it was, would allow me to just get, put that work aside for just a few minutes go out, do something, do something fun, do something hard, and then come back to, come back to regular life, you know, come back to regular life commitment. But I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do believe, I think we're, I think we're saying the same thing, maybe, maybe different, you know, different flavors of it. I just, as a coach, maybe you're better at this than me. I think Sam, our other coach, was is probably the best in in motivating people. Sam is really good. Sam's like he's 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 got that energy. Um I don't know that I'm a good motivator. If you want it, I'm here. I'm happy to help you. Um but yeah, I'm not a lot of I'm not a lot of rah rah and cheering. I cheer people on. Yeah, you you're good. You're better than me. Yeah. But but I cheer people on for committing. Like that's the thing is like if you and if if you can give me if you can give me a hundred percent ninety five percent of the time i'll like i'll go to bat for you i had a um i mean a very specific i had a a runner recently who ran a marathon very tough marathon two thousand feet of elevation gain a freaking a brutal a brutal 
I think it was like a 400 foot climb in the last at, at like mile 21, um, which is insane. I, a lot of it was on trail and his training block was the best, one of the best training blocks I've ever seen someone put in. It was very consistent, like on the nose, got out there grounded and right. Every, every freaking training run was not perfect. Right. But like the overall body was spectacular. And as a coach, nothing brought me more joy than that training block, even though because of the race, he didn't run the goal time that he wanted, which I didn't think, which would have been hard to do on that course. It, I think given a different course, it would have been, his goal time would have been easy, right? Like given the day on a different course would have been, he would, I mean, it wouldn't have been easy, but, but it would have been very doable. Um, but his but that, excellent performance was the commitment that he made in the follow through. So good. To be able to do it. And, do you know and, what I do for my athletes is, and, and I'm also a psychologist, so it's, it's, maybe it's part of my training is I hold space, right? So I remember pacing one of our, one of our friends and boy, she was miserable. We were like in the last five miles of a 50 mile race. She was not happy. She was very angry. She was very sad. She was crying, just miserable in so many different ways. This is such a fun sport. You should really, you should, all should really do it. <laughs> but no, she was so miserable. And I said to her, I said, look, cry all you want, scream all you want, swear all you want. I don't care, but do it while you're moving because we need to get to the finish. <laughs> so right. really the last couple miles, she, she, I don't think I said anything. She just cried and talked and, and she had a pretty freaking good finish. And I know how to do that for people in life because it's, you know, part of what I do as a job. However, when it came to athletes, I had to learn, I had to learn how to do that. And I don't know if you know this story, Sean, this is how I actually learned how to hold space, like in the middle of a race or um, when, when an athlete's uncomfortable. So the first, um, the first ultra I did um, it was, um, it was out in Oregon and I was actually doing really well. I think the first, um, the first marathon I was maybe like in the top third and I felt great. The, the climbing was a lot. It was really intense, but you know, we had, I got in a good, I got in a good group. We had a good pace. Things were going great. And I think it was mile 30 ish. Um, I got stung by maybe a dozen ground hornets, like we, we, somebody kicked a hive and, and it ended up, you know, ended up all over my back and my shoulders. It really hurt. And <laughs> it was very scary. So I did the best I could to pick the stingers I could, but I couldn't get all the ones on my back. So I ran to the next aid station, which I think I had to cover another, another five or six miles. And at that aid station, um, one of the, one of the volunteers, you know, got a credit card was, you know, help me, helping me pick the pick the um, stingers out of my back and all that adrenaline that came into my body from all those, from all those hornet stings dropped. And man, after sitting there, it just, I was so tired. I was so tired. And anyway, so I get to the next aid station and I missed cutoff by seven minutes and 32 seconds. I was so mad. This poor volunteer. Now I did go back and apologize, but I did yell at her. And I was like, 
are you seriously not going to let me go for seven freaking minutes? I was so angry, so upset. And then I just left and I went over and sat on a hill and I was just crying. I was so mad and so angry. And this guy came over and sat next to me and he just sat there. Didn't say a word. I didn't talk to him. He didn't talk to me. And I had just my head on my knees. I was crying. Didn't say anything. I don't know how long we sat there. Finally, I picked my head up after about 15 minutes and I looked at him and I said, you look super familiar. I don't, and he, you know, he just sort of shrugged his shoulders and introduced himself and, you know, I'm Megan and his name was Craig. And so we talked and I explained to him what happened and he's like, yep, been there. We all have, it sucks. Shit happens. Yeah. And we sat there for a little bit longer. And then finally I just felt okay enough. And I, you know, I said to him, I said, thank you for just sitting here. I said, I said over at the volunteer station, they were trying to talk me out of my feelings and they were trying to explain to me why they needed, why I needed to stop, which they were right. I could not hear it. I really couldn't hear it. I was just, I was enraged. And so this stranger sat next to me while I cried. That's it. Nothing. There was no words of wisdom. There was... So eventually I got up and um, and I thanked him and walked away and life went on. And as I was walking away, I looked at him. I go, oh, my God, I know you. It was Craig Thornley. <laughs> so and I said and so he holds a really special spot in my heart because he didn't do anything for me. But that was exactly what I needed in that moment. I needed 15, 20 minutes to cry and be really freaking angry. I didn't need to talk about my feelings. I didn't need to process them. It was just shit luck. Like I got stung by a lot of ground hornets and it hurt really bad. Bad things happen. Okay. You know, and I try to carry that. I try to carry that over with our, with our athletes. Not good, not a good motivator, but if you need to, if you need to talk about something or if you're going through a difficult space, I feel very comfortable in, you know, doing what's needed to do so you can have the experience that you need to have in the moment. Because so many times I feel that if, I, let's say I'm trying to motivate you, the stuff I'm saying could be so stupid. I could be like, you know, Sean, you just need to wake up earlier. You just need to, you just need to tell your wife that she needs to cover for you. So, you know what? I I don't know what I'm talking about. I, yeah. I don't know how your mornings look. I don't know what you and Carrie do and how you take care it's not but well sometimes sometimes it's letting not about, people learn yeah. well yeah sometimes it's not about like telling someone to wake up earlier is not necessarily about motivating sometimes it's about where can you I was making a silly no, I was no, making I know, a silly like fix it sort of well, example but right like sometimes you're like to an athlete you're like you have to figure out where you can oh, yeah. carve space in right, right. And, and people I think a lot of times look at it as you know I don't have any time. And then you go, well, what'd you do here? What'd you do here? What'd you do here? What'd you do? And you start to like amass all that like lost and time. What if, what if an athlete was just able to accept like my life is such a mess right now. My schedule is all over the place. I don't know how I'm going to do this with my kids. Um, my, you maybe that maybe their partner is not a hundred percent supportive. Okay. We, we, we can't change those things, right? But we can change, you know, we can change little things throughout the day, like 
take like stretching and mobility. I have all my athletes work on that. It is rare for a person after a workout to sit there for a half hour to 45 minutes and do stretch and mobility. So I tell them, do it throughout the day. I tell them, pretend you're a smoker. Take a break, get up, stretch, you know, every hour, do what you need to do. And there's little ways to get things sit, done. Sit on a fucking lacrosse ball. Yep. <laughs> Right, like yep. I, it, yeah, that's I me. Mean. There's always there's always something we can do, but sometimes I think it's important to honor the fact that it is hard, and we are moving through something that is really hard. Like, and so maybe it's grit. There we go. It's grit with compassion. That's I, I just that 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 resonates with me, and I think in my mind I just. Um, psychologically blended what you were saying about what you were saying about grit and and what I've been thinking it just it needs to be done needs to be done um, with some compassion and just working on being a good human being because if somebody's having if you're you know if an athlete's having a really hard time or a student's having a really hard time or someone can't get their work done because they're having a tough time with one of their kids okay let's Let's figure it out. And maybe right. the goal needs to be paused or I've had, I've give, I actually have workouts that I give to my athletes that they can do with their kids, like especially newborn babies and stuff like that. Like, you know, there's way, there's always a way to do it. Um, if, you know, if that's where you are. Well, so. Right. so for aerobic benefit, for the most part, you get the biggest bang out of your buck for 30 minutes. Right. Everything after that is a diminishing rate of return, pretty much. So 30 minutes of aerobic exercise, right? So a 30 minute run uh, it is more beneficial per rate of return than a 40 minute run. So if I schedule you something for like an hour and you're like, well, the day just does not equate to this. I always tell my runners, well, if you can put the 30 minutes in today, just put the 30 minutes in. Right. Like, cause I'd rather that's you get, how, that's how I made it through medic school. Right? I'd rather, so, um, I'd rather you get 30 yeah. than zero. Cause if I, you say, um, well, I can't do an hour, then the, in, in, in your brain immediately equates to, well, if I can't do an hour then I do zero, that's mm-hmm. where like, that's the broken process. Yeah. That's you're, you're describing Yeah. You're describing medic school for me. Cause it was the amount of information that I had to memorize, um, just seemed inconceivable. But what I did was I would listen to everybody has different study techniques. But for me, um, I always had my my earbuds in and I would listen to my textbook. I had an option where you could tap into the audio. I'd listen to my lectures. I always had something going. I'd be in the car. My kids would you would listen to these things with me. Sometimes sometimes I I remember there's one episode that got really really gory. And I had to, I had to turn that off about some particular injuries. Uh, but, but for the most part, we just, we just made it work. And the kids were really irritated that, oh man, we got to listen to another, another lecture on, on reading an EKG. Well, and I, and I explained to them, and I hope this is how I teach them grit. I explained to them, I'm like, I don't have a lot of time. I really need to listen to this lecture a couple times through. So you guys, for the next year, two years, however long, are, are just going to have to hang in there with me and, and listen to, you know, listen to lectures about, you know, contagious disease, diseases or EKGs or whatever, trauma, who knows. Right, right. Absolutely. And I, 
I wish there was, I guess I wish there, I wish more people saw the benefit of using like a small window of time, vice getting the whole bang. And this and this like comes back to like the weekend warrior, right? Like the weekend warrior says a lot of times we'll be like, well, I have all this time on the weekend now, right? So now I'm going to go like a nine hour gym workout. And then I'm going to like run for like six hours. And then the next morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to like hike for like 12 hours. And then I'm going to go not do anything all week long. When is, if you just put in like 30 minutes each day, right? Yep. 40, 40 minutes each day and like balance that yep. out over the week. And then you could still put in a fair amount on the weekend where you're putting in a slightly heavier load, but. And wait, since you wait. said the word balance, one of my favorite sayings, and I think we disagree on this, um, is fuck balance. Because I feel like if I look back on my time on this planet, I don't know that I could, there was ever a time in my life where I said, oh my God, everything is in balance, right? It feels to me that something in my life is always tugging harder and demanding more attention. So it could be my kids. Um, it could be I'm training for a race. It could be, um, you know, my husband is training for a race or he's working really hard or I was in school and like that, that, um, that scale, I feel like at least in our family is, is shifts a lot. And sometimes there's just going to be people that get more resources and attention because of what they're going through other and, and that, but then it switches. So whether it was me in school, okay, that took a lot of, a lot of, a uh, lot of attention and I, I needed a lot of just time away, you know, from, from my family, but my kids have it as well because they, they're trying to balance school and sports mm -hmm. and, and social what, life and in social life, yeah, no, life. and everything yep. else, yep. everything else, they, everything else they have to deal with. And sometimes it's just hard and it's not, sometimes lacrosse is going to take more time than, than school. Okay. Other times, um, French class is going to demand some time away from lacrosse and, but it's a, it's a constant, I think it's a scale that at least for me moves and being willing to, this is why my husband and I don't train for races at the same time. We, we tried to do this early on and it's actually how we met. Um, it, we were on a racing team together. We can't train heavily at the same time. It just hasn't worked with with our kids and especially when they were young, we take turns and the focus is, you know, all on one person for a while. And then it's going to switch at some point, hopefully to the other person or to another member of the family. Well, I, I agree with that to an extent. I think you need to properly prioritize what you, what you want, what you need and what, is required of you, right? So, so, and by that, I mean, and that's where the balance comes in is it might be, I want to prioritize training for a race. Okay. Well, training for this race requires X number of hours per week or X number or like whatever, whatever the quantity that you, you put into that, right? Like it requires me to 
exert this percentage of my daily pie. And then my family's relationship is important to me. So I need to exert this much effort into my family and my work is important to me. So I need to put this much effort into my work and wherever these priorities line up, right? So if you're, if you're, it, everyone's priorities are different. So I don't judge anyone for what their choice of priorities are, but you have to figure out where your priorities are. So it's a I've tough had, learning process. And it, it's, it's super, cause I've, I've talked to, I've talked to certain people and certain, uh, in different aspects of life and athletes and stuff like that. And I was, you know, I've had conversations with them. It was like, well, is your priority to socialize or is your priority to perform well? Right. Is your priority, um, right now to, uh, be healthy or is your priority to, uh, your work aspects. And I, and, and, and it's happened in different aspects. Like, I mean, I've had, I've had an athlete that repetitively was like, I really want to do this, but unfortunately my priority is work and I have to take work aspects. And I said, well, then you can't have both. Like you can't, you can't, there's, there's, if your priority is work and you're working, you know, 50 there's only, hours, there's only so many hours in the day. Right. And you're working 80 hours a week and your only free time is that Saturday. And then you're trying to bounce all your other family obligations and all that other stuff into your life there because work is taking so much. Then this is taking a, a backseat. Now, whether I believe that that is a good priority system or not is a different aspect altogether, but that's not my priority system. And I think a lot of times people just have to realize where their priorities are and what that'll allow them to do. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think a lot, and I, I mean, I feel that if you don't properly take the time to assess your priorities and decide what is important to you, that you won't be able to accomplish anything. Cause you just, you scatterbrain everything, right? Everything's scattershot. It's like, oh. oh. You just described me. And that, I get and that's very chaos. Yes, yes, that is. That's how I feel, and that's what we were talking about in the beginning. That's why I'm so organized. That's why I have lists. That's why I have to keep myself on track. Otherwise, it's it's too frenetic. Like I'm acting like Tigger, right? Where you're just bouncing above everything. Like I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to do that. And and for me just there's I don't when I'm there's very few people in my life that when I when I want to do something I really want their opinion but it does happen most of the time I need to just kind of process something whether I do it alone whether I do it with another human being I do draw in other people to help me when they know when I believe and I know that they know more than I do on this particular you know on whatever particular topic we're talking about and that that happens quite a bit I don't I don't, I like having people in my life that are really smart and, and know a lot. And it also really helps, um, you know, sometimes like I've done this with you, I'm, I'm training and I'm like, look at my, look at my training and see what you see. Am I missing anything? Right. Just, just another, another set of eyes to, to reassess and prioritize, but I have to keep myself, I have to breathe 
and just keep myself with my feet on the ground. And I don't, it took, it took many, many years to just learn, learn how to do that. And I don't know, talk to me when I'm 80 and maybe I'll have a completely different take on, well, oh, I was doing it. I was doing it that way back in my forties. And this is so much better. I mean, if I learn a better way, that's great. But in the meantime, um, keeping my feet to the ground with organization, um, finding priorities, I accept that balance is, is fleeting and that's, and that's okay. Like my, my house may be a complete disaster, right? right. But we, um, you know, we spent, you know, we spent the entire weekend at kids sporting events or, or something, it's priorities. Well, balance doesn't necessarily mean that everything gets equal weight or equal showing, right? Like that's not necessarily what How it are means. you defining balance then? Well, right, it depends on what the priorities are, right? So like if something requires more time, yeah. right, to get the goal, then it has to balance out with something getting less time. Okay, I see balance like those stupid memes that are on social media all the time. They'll like be a pretty sunset with follow your goals and life will treat you well. Or I was trying to think of some stupid saying, but that's what I see balance as is that sort of pie in the sky. That's how I, like everything is gonna be okay. Your your life is amazing. Everything is working. That's that's how I see balance. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> that's not, I see to, to me that's not what it is. It's just understanding what percentage of your life is gonna be taken by this and therefore deserves this much weight right that's how the balance is and that and that's how it is to to me like if so it's a look before you leap kind of idea so do your research talk figure out before you make that commitment just know what know what you're getting into know what you're doing yeah yeah and sometimes you don't sometimes you make that you oh god i've done done, yeah (laughs) right i mean like like the the idea of um having kids it's funny i my so when I had my first daughter, it was my only daughter because I, I have two kids, but my daughter, it was um, it was such a shock to my system in my lifestyle when she was born that it, it like it legitimately fucked me up in a way that made me a, a huge selfish asshole. And that's a whole whole different story that my wife can get into at a different time if you're ever curious about how bad of a person I could possibly be in certain regards um and and it wasn't and I and by that I mean a, a bad person I was just a selfish asshole is what it really came down to and uh when we found out that Carrie was pregnant again with Finn she was utterly like beside herself and I mean that in a negative way she was terrified like how are we going to like manage this yeah. house like this and for me at that point it was like well fuck it everything's already changed like everything this the priority system like, is I'm like good now well yeah the, the priority <laughs> system's broken right like yeah. that, free, that freedom that yeah. I had like prior to having kids like no longer exists so like one more doesn't make a difference right like it's that and that's where like I've said like you sometimes you don't know what the the mm-hmm. change is but once you do know that change you're like oh well like that's how we prioritize this in this aspect mm-hmm. um so yeah. you know i would like 
everyone to properly prioritize things the way I want because I'm a selfish asshole. And I think their, <laughs> li their lives would be so much better if they did. Well, I think I'm going to go with grit with compassion. I really like that. I think that's my one of my new one of my new catchphrases because um, I think that because nature versus nurture. I don't know if we can teach it or make that, it, it. That is a but, huge question about grit. Is it is it natural born? Like well, no, I, right? Is it we is can it we can encourage it. That's the thing. That's what I was looking for. We can we can encourage it with people that are seeking it. So. It's almost like if you want what what we have, talk to us. Right. Right. Like talk to us. And it's not just like about running. Like if you are thinking about joining the Navy, find somebody that find somebody that knows what it's like to be in the Navy. If you want to be a paramedic, talk to somebody that's a paramedic and talk to them about paramedic school. Um, when they tell you how awful paramedic school is, you should believe them. It is. It is. It's one of the. It's such a hellish experience. But I didn't. I didn't listen. I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I'm really smart. I don't, I don't have, I've never had a problem in school. It'll be, it'll be fine. <laughs> um, every, every parent ever. Oh yeah. <laughs> every, well, I guess every future parent, right? Ah, uh, this will be different for me. Oh God. Yes. Oh. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Let me know how that sure. works out for you. Yeah. Talk to you, talk to you in a few years, but just, I say, know your people, like know your, know the people that are around you and know who has what expertise and who thrives in what area and who you can talk to about things. Just, we, we need to start talking to each other more. So, so we can look before we leap, you know, metaphorically, and we know what we're getting into, but I don't, um, I think if somebody really wants to know what it's, you know, what it's like to, to be an endurance athlete, the first thing I would just say is come to one of our races. Cause one, you're going to be hooked by all the awesome people. We have the coolest community. It's like the Island of misfit toys. It's the best all, you know, misfits, weird people. It's just, it's great. You know, we're all, we're all so quirky in our own way, but to see people working that hard, um, I gotta tell you, I even when I'm watching my kids track meets and stuff and cross country, I remember like there were certain times when I started to like get choked up at some of the finishes and I'm like, oh my God, don't be that mom. Don't be that mom. Don't be that mom. <laughs> I'd be screaming at some poor little kid that I didn't even know who it was because it was just like this epic finish and I'm so excited and I'm like, oh my God, if my, my kids would absolutely kill me, you know, if. <laughs> if they saw me now, but they're running. So it was fine. But yeah, I can get, I just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of grit. There's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And if we all walk around pretending that this life is easy, like it's so much fun to be an ultra runner and it's so easy and endurance sports are great. And I don't have any struggles. Do you have any struggles? Like I just, I can't even imagine that. I, even I had, imagine. seriously, I had a, a discussion with, a, a social influencer on Instagram one time, um, she had posted something about like, it's, every run's great. Every run's like the best ever. And I was like, I was like, that's, I was like, that's such bullshit. There's no way you feel that way. And she's like, no, I do. And I was like, you're full of shit. 
so anyways, fast forward six months later and um, she's no longer running. She's riding a bike and dirt, right? Like, so it's like, oh, okay. So when it mm-hmm. did get hard, you like, well, I'm going to shift gears and that's what I'm going to do. Now, what I'll say is that every fucking run is a gift. Every yes. run that you get out there is a gift and it should be treated as such. And but I'm every- going to say that you um, and anybody else who hasn't been through the level of physical trauma that I have, I agree with you so much that I don't even think you understand. Because when that when that piece is taken away, like I can ride my bike, I can swim, I can climb, I can surf. There's so many other things I can do, right? But when I spent a year essentially really not running, it felt like, um, it, it just felt like a hole. Like there's a hole in right. my in my heart that needed to be filled. So I I really do enjoy, really do enjoy all my other sports. I love getting out there. It I love my gravel bike. I think I, I think that's with anything. Like if you were yeah. if the bike if the bike was taken away from you and you could still run, you might feel the same way about the bike and, and vice versa. Any like I said, if you if you remove one aspect of my personality, no matter what it is, mm-hmm. or like what aspect of my being, it is mm-hmm going to feel like there's a hole inside right and there is there is when after the after the bike crash five years ago and i just for a little bit of reference um i was in a hospital bed for three months i broke um my hips um my sacrum l4 l5 shoulder head a bunch of a whole bunch of injuries but there was um there was a my, my hip ortho um said to me you are most likely never going to walk again unassisted so meaning that for the rest of my life, I would be using um, a walker or a cane or something to that effect. And that first, that made me really angry. And I immediately thought, fuck you. Fuck. I mean, I just the level of rage in my body. I, I can I can see ex- I can see where he was sitting and where I was sitting. And I went home later that day. And I remember um, I remember laying there and thinking, what is my life going to look like if I can never walk again, right? Really having to sit with that piece. And it, um, I was really sad. I got to say it was so disheartening. It did, it did give me more grit. I can tell you that it's for damn sure. But I was able to make peace. Like if I can't run again, or if I can't walk, I'm going to be okay. Like it was this intuitive knowing and going through the six different surgeries that I've been through. I, I, I sometimes I go back to that feeling like no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. I may, something may happen and I'm never able to take a step again. I'm going to be okay. And I have to go back to that moment. And as much as this means to me, just knowing that there is a place in this world for me and my drive and my grit if something doesn't go the way the way I have it planned. Um, I think about that a lot and it sounds like it would be a demotivator maybe like ah, so and I'm not trying to say like oh it's okay if I I was totally okay with not walking again. I was not okay with it, but I made peace with it. Right? And I made peace with it, but it also gave me the grit to do my PT four times a day when I had that stupid external fixator on my leg that hurt really bad. Right. Well, 
that's the difference, right? Like acceptance and acceptance is not necessarily being happy about something, right? Like right. it's just right. it's just understanding Common that misconception. Like, this, this is this is the situation, and there's I will do the things that I can to better the situation in whatever way that is, you know, and the outcome is not necessarily decided by me. Hmm. Well, my charge this week when it comes to grit is, is definitely uh, starting physical therapy and, and recovery because <laughs> as it hurts, it hurts really bad. Um, I'm here, I'm here doing it. I'm not happy about it. Uh, but the alternative is not one that I want to grasp onto today. Every, every PT session's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> I like my, I like my therapist. I got to say that's, um, I could not do this with somebody that I don't like and I don't respect. So, so Sean, as we're wrapping up, you have a song that you were very excited for me to hear and that you wanted to to use to take us out today. So what uh, what are you listening to this week? Megan, this song is awesome. So it's Green Sky, Bluegrass, and it's Living Over is the name of the song. Now, speaking of grit and times where running fucking sucks. So I had gotten done this past year with um, Cocodona, and it was middle of the summer. And Cocodona is how far? It was 255 miles, unless you look at my GPS watch, which was 260-something miles. But that's a whole different story. (laughs) Um, Five-mile difference in that span of time is not a big deal. Um, And I was just trying to get my mojo back, just trying to get my mojo back, just trying to get my mojo back. And I um, had worked a night shift, was getting out, and had a plan to go for a run. And I threw on threw on this song, threw on the headphones, and I hit the trails. And the sun's coming up, the song's playing, and I'm running beautiful trail down by the river. The air is like smooth and cool on the skin. And it was, and it's those moments, right? Like that's what I'm talking about, is like those moments of joy. And that was like that filled me with such such an amazing experience in that very particular moment that it kind of started like flipping the switch and back into, okay, I can do this. I can train. We can run. We can find joy in this. And for months and months, I was totally shot, totally burnt out. And in that moment, that song, that like, that sunrise, that like location, like the feeling of the air on the skin, all that combined to change an entire perspective and so that's why this song is super important and like super beautiful to me all right well we will we will listen and i'm going to ask all of you listening that if you if something we've said um, resonates with you reach out to me and sean all of our contact information um, is on the podcast website you can find us on zendurancenow.com sean and i are all over social media so reach out to us tell us what you think if you feel like giving us a review it would be totally appreciated but you don't have to if you want to it's really cool. until uh until next time all right talk to you later man bye sean
was honest, at least so I'm hoping. Speaking of honest, I lie, lie, lie down with strangers when I'm dreaming. And I lie about drinking, I lie about dreaming. I've just been sleeping all this weight. It's gonna take chances to keep us alive, and the chances are looking slim.
Chances are looking slim 